Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. 
My name is Ify Thomas. I'm a mindset and confidence coach. I'm an author, platform speaker, and my company is called Mind Workout Media. And um, at Mind Workout Media, we help entrepreneurs and coaches share their story from a place of power, not pain. And if you've been with me in the room before at 4 a.m. Eastern, we were talking about how to own your story. And I think this falls in really lovely with the topic today. But before we start, I want to say good morning to Dora Maria. Good morning to you. Thank you for always making this possible for me and helping me get into this room. TM, good morning. Good morning, Jeremy. I know you're on the phone. Cor, good morning. Lovely to see you. Melvin, good morning. Arpit, good morning. Lovely to see you on the stage. I invited you up when it was your one year birthday, Arpit, a while ago. Triple J, just been having an incredible conversation with you. You are a powerhouse. Um, thank you for being here. Mac, lovely to see you. Anthony, Nathaniel, Patricia, I was listening to you yesterday, Patricia. Oh, you get me so excited. Um, lovely to see you, Crypto, Ello, Nathaniel, Kimberly, lovely, Kimberly, lovely to see you here. And um, Jean and Dr. Elizabeth, who is incredible. Dr. Elizabeth gives me a list of books to read and they have me, you know, in tears. Thank you for recommending Finding Me by Viola Davis. What a book. Um, Dr. Jamika, lovely to see you and Jackie and Abby. Abby um, Anderson, there you are. Um, Abby's going to be helping me manage the room today because she's not only on Clubhouse with me, but she's actually in my house right now. Um, so I'm like, we have to stay away from each other or there'll be feedback. Sharon, lovely to see you. Don, Regina, Anthony, lovely to see you. Toria, thank you for coming across from the other room. Coco, Christina, Renee, lovely to see you. Samira, um, Renee as well, thank you. Chima, Maria. Oh my gosh, I'm very excited to see you, Dr. Joe. Always bringing great stuff, everything. Lovely to see you again. I was speaking earlier. And David Hill. And everyone who's in the listeners' lounge, you know, feel free to come up. Glenn Lundy created this space. Everybody has a space at the table. A space? Everybody has a seat at the table, and it's the biggest breakfast table you'll ever be able to sit at. So put your hands up and come on stage um, and, you know, contribute, ask questions, and be part of the conversation. I'm really excited about today because when I saw the title, I thought I can talk about so many different things. I can go in so many different directions. What actually hits my heart today? I was thinking, how can I really serve? Um, how can I serve um, the community with some thing that means a lot to me? And hopefully you can take it away with you. So um, I see the wonderful Addie's just joined um, the room. So I would love to um, bring Addie up if she's here. Right. So today we're talking about Agent nothing but a number, the inner child in you. So when this title came up with me, I thought, well, what what do I want to talk about? What what do I and the first thought that came into my mind is how many people I speak to who say, I'm too old for that. <laughs> or they say, you know, oh, I'm past that, or because of my age. And I was thinking about how many people use age as a way to avoid doing the thing that you truly want to do. And I, I remember this story that I heard, this this story that really resonated with me. It's a story about a lady called Grandma Moses. She was a young farm girl who had this desire to paint, but her family and friends told her that, you know, it was nonsense to try and paint um, and it wouldn't be a good use, good source of income. Um, they told her that her parents actually told her that as a farm girl, her role in life was to really marry a farm boy and raise farm kids. So she put her heart's desire aside and did what she thought was, I suppose, was necessary to do. Anyway, so she had children by the time she hit her late teens. And then she had some more children in her 20s. 
And in her 40s, she became a grandmother. And by her 60s, she became a great grandmother. And when she turned 75, um, her husband died and her children were all grown up. And um, the doctors told her that she wasn't able to continue working on the farm because um, she just wasn't able to because she had got much older and she'd got arthritis and stuff. Um, and she she felt like she didn't have much time left. So that's when she decided, you know what, I'm going to do the thing that was my heart's desire when I was a young girl. So she went across to the nearby shop where there was like a paint shop and she got some paint brushes and some canvases and spoke to the people in the shop and told them, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start painting, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do. So she got, bought all the paints, went back to her barn and, you know, she sat down and began to paint. Anyway, the story of Grandma Moses is that by the time she was 78, she, um, the painting shop had displayed her work there. And by the time she was 78, she had, um, actually been, sold her first painting and it, they call it like primitive american landscape style and um when she was 101 years old a major art gallery in new york city started showing her work and the point of the story is is that in the last 10 years of her life some of her paintings were selling for more than a hundred thousand dollars each and i suppose the aha was that she was told as a young girl that painting wasn't um, going to be a great way to um, sustain herself, support herself. However, she earned more in a year from her paintings than her and her husband had earned in their entire lifetime from working hard on the farm. And I thought this story is really interesting because it took her all those years to finally do her heart's desire. Um, and she never said, oh, I'm too old to do it. She then found that when she was older, she was able to do it and was able to be a big success. And someone said if she would have done her painting very early on at the very beginning, she probably would have been the most famous, the wealthiest painter of all time. She'd have started when she was younger and done it for a longer period of time rather than the last, you know, 30 years of her life. And then I was thinking, how many other people have become successful later on in life? How many other people? So Morgan Freeman, he, he made it when he was 52. Judy Dench, the actress, you know, she, she became successful later on in life. And um, we have um, lots of, loads of people, you can Google it, loads of people who've changed their lives um, later on in life. So um, that, that's kind of um, made me think about how long we wait how long we absolutely wait to do the thing that we're supposed to do and are we ever too old? Really, are we ever too old to do it? So, so and then it makes me think about what, what beliefs do we have? What are our limiting beliefs? What have we told ourselves that we can't do because we're too old? And I hear it a lot, oh, I'm too old to do that or oh, I'm past that or I can't do that anymore. So today I'd like us to think about um, that inner child inside of us and a person that I spend a lot of time studying and I've and I love the book You Can Heal Your Life by a lady called Louise Hay. She talks about um, the, the inner child. She talks about the inner child in, in quite depth. And um, she has this idea of mental house cleaning. So the idea of mental house cleaning is that you have to have a look at some of the beliefs that you've been storing up throughout your life. Some of these beliefs that maybe are not true. And when people, if you imagine a mental house clean, so if we look at our physical house, if you were gonna clean your house, you would go room by room by room and you'd start looking at all the different things in the drawers, in the cupboards, and you'd start pulling things out. Now, when you're about to go and clean your house or do your mental house clean, what you would do is you'd pick up things and you'd look at some things that 
maybe need fixing. You'd examine some stuff that um, maybe could be repaired or need to be dusted. And there'll be some things that you need to throw away. They're like old magazines or things that are just not going to serve you anymore. And you'll happily throw them away. That, that's what you'll do. You'll go through and you'll throw them away. You won't be angry when you throw them away. You'll just say they don't serve me anymore. And when we think about our mental capacity and the things that happen to us in our beliefs, we have to go through our mental belief systems and look at things that we maybe believe was true and then we realize that they're not true and then we realize that they don't serve us anymore and it's about being able to let go of them and um one line that louise hay says that i always ask myself she says she says why why don't you think about this would you dig would you really dig into yesterday's garbage to make tonight's meal and I think often, especially when I'm working with my clients or I'm having conversations with people, we tend to go into the past, into the things that were in the past that didn't serve us, and we bring it forward in the future to support the narrative that we can't do something. You know, when I was younger, I wasn't very good at this, or someone told me I wasn't very good at that, and that's why I can't do this. I'd love to open up and hear from a few of you. If, if there's any time that you can think about any a limiting beliefs that you might have formed, through, oh, in the past that you bring forward to the to now the present so for me I can share one and then we can start the conversation um for me I always used to believe I'm not very good at maths I remember being taught fractions and not understanding it in any way any shape or form it did not make sense to me I, I, I would be I'm not good at maths I'm not good at maths I'm not good at maths and I used to just tell myself I'm not good at maths and not good at maths but in 2012 when I started my business National Accountancy Network um, I, I, and then when the business grew and we got to the VAT threshold where it meant that everyone that we um, invoice, we used to, we have to invoice them 20% of VAT because in the UK we have a VAT. Um, I had to work out what the VAT was and I started working out the VAT very, very quickly in my head. And I remember I was at an accountant's office and they said to me, oh, so how much would that be plus VAT? And I quickly told them how much it was. They went, wow, you're great at maths. And I remember thinking, no, I'm not. And they were like, you're well, you're, he said, you're really quick at maths, you're very fast mental arithmetic in your head. He's the first person that had ever said that to me. And as he said it, I rejected it straight away. My voice went, no, I'm not in my head. And as I drove home, I thought, I wonder why he thought I was good at maths. I know I'm not good at maths. I've never been good at maths. I didn't do well at maths. My teacher told me I wasn't good at maths. I struggled at maths. I hate maths. I'm not good at maths. And then I thought, but he thinks I am. I wonder why. And I just left that thought in me. And as I started to have other conversations, I realized that when it comes to working out that 20% of things and 10% of things, and I understood that if I could work out what 10% of something was, I could double it and then I'd work out what 20% was. And if I wanted to work out what 15% of something is, I can half the 10% and then I can add that on top. And I started working out how to work these figures out very quick in my mind. Now, I'm not calling myself a mathematician, but what I'm saying is I learned to do something that I actually didn't believe that I could do. And that's because I learned in a different way. But when someone highlighted that I was good at it, I instantly rejected it. So I want you to think about, are there things in your life where you have believed are not good and then you've realized that you are actually good at it and then you've tried to hold yourself back because of limiting beliefs from the past? Can I, oh, Abby, I see you flashing. I'm going to come to you. Thank you, Ify. Do you know, it is one thing working out maths in your head and as a bookkeeper obviously I do that quite a lot so well done to you and you are brilliant at that um for me mine was always my limiting belief is I'm not good enough and this is stemmed from my childhood and there's quite a few scenarios so I'll just give you one quickly so the first one was you know in the grading system that we had here 
back in the 90s um, was when I got a grade C, my mum would always say, well, why didn't you get a B? And if I got a B, why didn't you get an A? And when I did get an A, it's how did you manage that? So it was never good enough. And I've literally only recently had this conversation with my mum and her way of thinking wasn't, she said, I wasn't trying to portray that you weren't good enough because you are good enough. It was my way of saying, you can do better. Come on, you can push that further goal. Keep going, keep going, push yourself. And that's all what she was doing is she was just pushing me. And it wasn't until I had that conversation with her that it completely changed my mindset. So it's having those really difficult conversations, saying, Mum, do you realise that what you were doing to me back then has really been pulled through 40 plus years into my life now? And it's actually being aware of why don't you feel good enough and actually getting back to where that inner child was damaged at such a young age. That inner child is still there in me at, at 47 years old. So... You know, it was that difficult conversation and it had to be done. And it's now that I'm beginning to sort of break through that um, barrier of, do you know what? I am good enough. So I'm going to land my plane there. Thank you, Effie, for letting me share. Oh, thank you so much, Abby. Oh, I love that. And it's it is having those difficult conversations having those conversations where you you have to confront somebody that you love and actually hold the light on them and say you know why did you do that um that, that that's definitely doing the work and then we were talking in the room before about sometimes having the ability to go back through your timeline and see where are the moments that have made you who you are can really serve you and it, it's an art to do that because you have to understand that the other people would have been think would have experienced it from their vantage point the other people would have seen it in their own way like you suggested with your mum she wasn't trying to undermine you she was trying to push you on and egg you on but the way that it was communicated and the way that you received it meant that you actually felt like you were never good enough and that's never anyone's intention so I think as we grow we have to go back and do some of that mental housekeeping have a look at some of the beliefs that maybe don't serve us anymore and let them go and it's really important to let them go because then we can grow but what sometimes we do is we hold ourselves accountable to those beliefs and then they set the standard in which we can actually grow and I think that takes a lot of work so with the room title you know age ain't nothing but a number you know I, I think that is absolutely true because like you said and I'd love to look for some flashes Louise hey she talks about that inner child she says we've all got a three-year-old girl a three-year-old boy inside of us and the way that we talk to that person that child is still with us it's in us you know those, those that's part of who we are but it's how we communicate with that person and understand that that person still needs healing, that person still needs support, and we have to um, take our time. But if we avoid it and we run away from it, then we might go through our whole life, like Grandma Moses, believing that it was just not even an option for you. And um, to land my plane before we get some, when I think about the possibility of growth and getting older, I just think of Tina Turner. She's like 82 or something years old. And the way that she, I just look at that woman and think, wow, if you can do that at that age and have that much passion and that voice and that it, anything is possible after everything that Tina Turner has been through. And if you've seen her life story, you know, and she's still there 
doing it and keep and you know so oh it's exciting for me jeremy i saw you flashing do you want to jump in yes i would love to and it's so good to catch one of your segments it's been quite a while but one of the things i literally talked about today with one of my very close mentors was that one of my beliefs you know that was instilled in me as a child and that inner child is still alive and well is the the things need to be difficult things needed to be difficult you know because it was the the mindset of the family that i grew up in was oh things are always difficult it's so challenging you know it's so hard to get this and the problem is this and i encourage people to listen to the people that are closest to you in your circles and see that after a movie or after a, a situation or after something that happens i want you to notice if they go yeah, but the problem with that is or you see what's going on here are they looking at the things that are difficult or are they looking at the possibilities and that limiting belief that my inner child was built upon where I would dominate as a kid and then I would have my grandmother or my mother and you know there's wonderful people now um, but they'd be like oh you know did you really have to do it you know the problem with you doing that is you know that that other kid you know now he's got to feel bad and I was made to feel bad about dominating and having a big space and big power in this world and it's why I preach on it so much when I do my segments it's power it's okay it's okay to be powerful I'm gonna love so many more people because of it but what's fascinating is that little inner child still stuck around that little inner child was like no I still want to do this and as you step back into it you you soar you literally freaking soar and, it, and it's the coolest thing to watch and it's the coolest thing to grant other people to including mentors and my mentor told me to my face the last thing I'll say he said you know Jeremy you're the one person that I have a client and that you're de technically a client, but I also listen to the things that you say because you're you. You're the only you I've ever met and you're the only person I allow this to be a two-way street with. And it's, and it's only because I found the power within myself and I stopped listening to those limiting beliefs that we carried on. So it'd be great to see you. I'm gonna slam my mic there. Well, Jeremy, it's always a pleasure to hear you. You're an incredible storyteller, you know, and, and the, th the thing is when you speak, I get flashbacks of all the stories you've told and it really helps me to create an idea of who you are and it, it's amazing the way you share stories. I, I love it and um, th thank you so much. It made me think about, um, you know, when we think about our parents, a lot of the conversations that we have, um, I have with my clients when we go back through time is, you know, what our parents did and didn't do and I think that this line really resonated with me I read it in a Brian Tracy book it says um, our, our parents give us all the love that they have they give they don't withhold any they some parents just don't have much to give and when we think about how much love we have individually it's how much we love ourselves and I'm a big believer in really filling yourself up so that whatever pours out of you whatever flows over your glass oprah winfrey says you can give to other people and often if our parents weren't able to support us in the way that they needed to during that time it's not because they were withholding it it's just they just gave us all that we had and i think um i heard um td jake say um he said this thing and it really resonated with me um he talked about being a well 
He said, I am a well. He goes, how many wells are in the audience? Um, and meaning a well, like you're so, you've got so much to give. You've got so much love. And I imagine everyone on this stage, we're wells, you know, the givers, we're here coming to replenish our well. And we have so much to give and we pour and pour into the people that we care about and we're overflowing. And then we might be with somebody or we might have a family member who they're a pint. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're a pint and you're a well and they are full. Their pint is absolutely full and your well is absolutely full. But when your well is drained and you turn to that person, and you ask them to pour into you, they get their pint and they pour every drop in, but it doesn't even touch the sides. And when I think about when I'm doing work with um, people or parents or whoever you are, because I work with parents who've got young children who are going through challenges, but then I also work with um, adults who are just going through their own development. I always say, well, which one are you? And I think it's important if we recognize if the people that we're asking to pour into us, if they're giving us all that they have, but all they have is just not enough for what we need, then we can't really reprimand them for giving them, us all that they have. And it reminds me of this poem that I'd love to read to you, which I think is one of those poems that even every time I read it, I always have to check myself and ask myself, am I, am I making sure that this is how I am parenting? So this poem is a poem by um, a lady called um, Dr. Dorothy Law Nolt, Nolte, I think you pronounce it. And it's called Children Learn, what they live and you can google it it says if children live with criticism they learn to condemn if children live with hostility they learn to fight if children live with fear they learn to be apprehensive if children live with pity they learn to feel sorry for themselves if children live with ridicule they learn to feel shy if children live with jealousy they learn to feel envy if children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. If children live with tolerance, they learn patience. If children live with praise, they learn appreciation. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. If children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. If children live with recognition, they learn it is good to have a goal. If children live with sharing, they learn generosity. If children live with hostility, honesty, they learn truthfulness. If children live with fairness, they learn justice. If children live with kindness and consideration, they learn respect. If children live with security, they learn to have faith. If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If children live with acceptance and friendship, they learn to find love in the world. I love that poem and it always makes me ask myself, what is important? The answer for me is always to raise my children with high levels of self-esteem and high levels of confidence and make sure that I'm raising them in, in a way that is gonna respond in them becoming the people that we hope they will be. So that, that's a really important poem that I um, like to share. And when I do my different events with parents, I always say to some of the parents who've got older older children, they say, well, well what if I didn't do that? What if I got it wrong? Or what, what if I wasn't able to do that? I always say to them, you know, what, what you can do is, you know, 
you can take the time to have the conversations with them. Like Abby was saying earlier, how she had the conversation with her mum. You you can actually, you can help with your children by actually having the conversation and listening to what they want, what they feel went wrong and what they feel happened and then listen and, and learn from them. And then perhaps, you know, you can take a deep breath and maybe just apologize for any of the destructive criticism or any of the physical punishment that you've ever used on them. You can tell them that you, you're sorry for everything that you've ever done to hurt them or made them feel bad about themselves in any way. Because one of the biggest complaints that I hear from children um, of all ages, um, and especially older generation, is that their parents never say, I'm sorry, or apologize for the mistakes that they've made. You know, And children are extremely sensitive to fairness and justice. And, and and they do feel angry and hurt when when they perceive that they've been treated unfairly or accused um, unjustly for no reason. And I think knowing this makes me really want to double down. It, uh, being a parent is a real, I find it to be, you know, one of the um, greatest challenges. You know, it's something that we don't get a instruction manual with. It's probably one of the hardest things that we'll ever face as as parents because our parenting will affect our children's the way they parent for generations so we, we've got a big job here so I always try to bring it back to basics and say to myself in every situation what's really important here what is really important here and I'll land my plane with a quick story actually if that's okay of um, something that happened to us a couple of weeks ago um my youngest son we were going to the cinema we were all excited to go to the cinema he had his michael jordan shorts on and his michael jordan hoodie and um we we as a family we really want to go out and um look a certain way you know we we really want to be seen you know as a quality black family um and it's part of our mission you know to show up well and anyway my son was um said oh i'm gonna wear my school shoes with my um Michael Jordan shorts and hoodie, um, you know, school shoes. And um, his dad, oh, I could, I was upstairs and I could hear like crying and wailing. And I came downstairs and said to his dad, what's happening? He says, he's trying to go out in those shoes. He can't go out in those shoes. And I was like, oh, the shoes look terrible. Like shoes and tracksuit shorts just don't go, do they? And I, and the, like his school shoes, the ones with the Velcros, ran, it just looked random. And his dad, I could see him getting really like, uncomfortable he says yeah you're not going out in those no you're going to change you've got to change into your trainers you've got to wear your trainers that go with that that's going to look nice you're going to go in the trainers and my son just was like got on the floor and he was just like really upset crying getting sweaty i want to wear these shoes i want to wear these shoes so i came down the stairs and because i know like in the past i've come in and overstepped a bit and it's really affected me and his relationship he's like why do you always overstep so I've, we've been doing our own coaching so that I have to kind of bite my tongue and just let it play out so I was like standing at the top of the stairs watching this uncomfortable conversation and thinking are we really going to let our son go out in those school shoes and his dad being like really like stressed about it and I just said to Terry my partner I said can I jump in please he says go for it and then walked out to the car and started the engine and I saw my son crying and I got down to his level and I everything was intentional and I said Cuba, I said, why do you want to wear the school shoes? He says, because I don't like the trainers. I said, but the school shoes are for when you go to school. In my head, I'm thinking those school shoes look horrendous. It looks awful. Um, and I said, what can we do to help you wear the trainers? He says, I don't want to wear them. I want to be comfortable in the cinema. And when I wear my school shoes, I've got wiggle room for my toes. 
And I said, okay, then let's go. And we get in the car and I'm in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this outfit looks awful. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to lean into being a good parent. We get in the car and um, I'm, I look in the rear mirror and he's like still a bit upset. And um, I look at his dad and I, and I said to Terry, oh, we've got to work through this. What, what, is it, what is it in us that makes us so extra about how they look? And then um, we went to the cinema and on the way back, I said, when you were growing up, what, what do you think has allowed us to get to this point where both me and you were so precious about how our kids look when they go out? And then he said to me, he said, when I was younger, the kids would go to school in who would wear P clothes, like sports clothes with school shoes were the kids that couldn't afford trainers. And those kids used to get bullied. And because my partner grew up in a very um, poor, he, he, he's single like parent and did, didn't have the, any good stuff. He said he remembers always the shame of the children that used to wear the like school shoes and who didn't have trainers basically. And he said, and when I saw Cuba wearing that, I instantly was thinking he's gonna get bullied, he's gonna get picked on, people are gonna laugh at him. And I didn't want that for him because we can afford trainers for him. And he said it went right back to his childhood, right back to like his the things that he saw as a child. And I was like, yeah, um, same here. People got bullied who wore shoes with like who didn't wear trainers. And I said, but we're in a different time now. And our goal is to raise our son to be independent. And if we control what he wears and we force him to show up how we want him to, we're gonna undermine him. So we have to let it go, but the work is us, not him. And that was a real moment. Um, with that said, I hope that people can take something away from that, that we're always working on the things that we've had in our past. And we have gotta try not to throw that onto our children. Um, we have to be able to say, right, what is it in me that's making me act this way? What is it in me? It's always us. Um, with that said, I'd like to say thank you so much for having me here today. I know the next um, sec section is going to be amazing. The wonderful Glenn Lundy is going to take the mic and take us to the next level. Super excited to be here. Thank you so much, everyone. And um, I'm going to pass the mic over to the one, the only Glenn Lundy, who created this awesome space for us to be in. Um, over to you, Glenn. Lovely to see you. I know that there's always like a little um, blip between this part. So I'm sure Glenn will be with us very shortly. Um, Ify? Yes. This is Kimberly and Glenn can jump on at any time, but I just wanted to give mommy some applause. You parented hello, hello, the hello, inner hello, child, hello. the whole point. Congratulations. You did a wonderful job. You're low, Glenn, but barely. Thank you, Kimberly. Oh, thank you so much, Kimberly. I appreciate you. Oh, Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.